Well, good evening, everybody, and a real privilege to uh, come and speak to you guys tonight. And I just want to take a minute before we jump into this to to also add my encouragement and my excitement to what Ian's just been speaking about. Uh, for us in the AM, we absolutely delighted with what God's been doing as He has been speaking to us. I remember in 2007. Uh, you were about six, right, Bester? Yeah. In 2007, when God was uh, speaking to us as one congregation, right? We were just one common ground. We had a morning meeting. We had an evening meeting. And, and we were a decade old. And God gave us this prophetic word. He said, a decade of preparation for decades of harvest. And that word was spoken over us as Bosch, as one church. And I still feel that that word just, in a sense, pumps in my heart that God is going to bring many people to a knowledge of him and discipled into Christ's likeness through this community. And so I get excited about this. Proverbs speaks about this beautiful dance in community, in family, the dance between the strength of youth All of you say, yeah, that's us. The strength of youth, right? And the wisdom of the more mature. And how the strength of youth and the wisdom of the more mature actually beautifully plays together to create a sense of family and well-being within community. So we're, we're excited for that. Let me just say, we're not as the AM eldership team trying to rush into the teen pad and kind of say, okay, fun's over. No, my heart so pumps for this evening meeting to be an evening meeting that is so sharp and so intentional and so good at reaching that decision decade and seeing so many people come into that knowledge of Christ. So I'm absolutely delighted. We're super excited and uh, we figure out the rest from here, right? As God leads and as we're a people of the cloud, as as we saw the people in Exodus following uh, the cloud dynamic of God leading them on, let's be that kind of people. Now tonight, tonight I get to launch this sermon series called We are home. And this isn't primarily about actually speaking to these transitionary dynamics. Do you know one of the things that God spoke to us was about Bosch being a house with many rooms where everyone had a place to belong and participate and to feel at home. And so out of that kind of picture of what we believe God sees the local church as, we wanting to teach into this over the next four weeks that God's view of us as a local church is that we are home. And today I want to unpack the reality that all throughout the ages, humanity throughout the ages has been in search of a place called home. The human heart longs for this reality of being home. See, we're stuck in between the first and second coming of Christ. We're, we're in the already and the not yet of this future coming age. And into this future coming age, God calls us to be this chosen expression of home that humanity is searching for. And so now what I'm going to do is we're actually going to spend a chunk of our time. We're going to be, we're going to be working through the Old Testament and see and establish the human heart searching and the people of God searching for this place called home. And then we'll jump into Jesus. And then we'll jump into what Matabu just read from us from Ephesians 2. And then I'll kind of wrap it up with some practicalities for us here in the context of this congregation. So right at the beginning... I think it does need to be said that this word home 
does conjure up different pictures for different people. And I want to be pastorally sensitive to the reality when I speak about we are home and I've got good, warm feelings related to that, that that may not be your experience. And I want to ask God to minister to that brokenness and to that pain and that God would, would in a sense, he would bridge the gap in helping us to see what his heart and his intent is for home, no matter where you find yourself with regards to your own experiences, maybe if they are unhelpful of what home can be like for some people. See, I think we all have a picture of the ideal home in mind. This week, I got a little taste of it, right? Uh, Kate and I were away. We were in Johannesburg for two nights. We came back. We jumped out of the Uber, and it was Cape Town at his kind of introduction to winter finest fine, Scottish weather, right? It was raining down. We were a bit cold. It was a bit cozy. We jump out of the Uber. We run into the house, and boom, it hits us. Warmth. Warmth and the sweet smell of my mother's cooking in the oven, right? Granny had been looking after all three of our kids. In this moment, we put down our bags. The demon dog comes running up to us and jumps all over, gets really excited to see us. Then our three feral kids come and jump all over us and get really excited to see us. Then my crazy mother switches the music on and turns it up real loud with this like uh, Neil Diamond song that she used to play when I was growing up about traveling. Whenever my mom or dad would travel or come back, she'd play this traveling song from Neil Diamond. We have this little dance party right there in the middle of our kind of lounge. And then we settle in around the dining room table and we feast over mom's cooking, my mom's, granny's cooking. And we enjoy swapping stories from our week. And in that moment, the pressure and the responsibility and the weightiness of my week and the chaos and the brokenness of our world all evaporates as I experience being home. See, I believe each one of us understands that within the ideal picture of home, home is a place of identity. Home is ideally a place of identity where who we really are is seen and it is known and it is spoken over our lives positively and it is invested in and developed, and it is cherished and celebrated. See, I think in the ideal picture of home, security is, is a factor. Security where we feel safe, we feel settled, we feel cared for. Home, ideally, is a place of consistency and stability for us. In the ideal picture of home, it is also a place of You guys can read it. It's on the screen. Belonging, right? Belonging. It's a place of belonging where we are amongst our people and we feel comfortable because we are known and we are accepted. But we also may feel a little uncomfortable at times because we are known that well and we are loved that much that people are willing to call us out and confront us in truth and love. Home, ideally, is also a place of purpose, where each of us have a part to play and a role to contribute, where we all get stuck in and we make things happen and, and we play our part. It's a, it's a place where we get to carry the burdens together. It's a place where we get to experience the blessings and the joys together. It's a place that grows us and strengthens us and challenges us and sends us out and commissions us into the world to make a contribution. 
And then lastly, an ideal true picture of home is a place of hospitality. A place of hospitality where outsiders are welcomed in and made to feel comfortable and included. I want to pause for a moment. Think in your life of one home or family context that was not your own where you have felt truly warmly welcomed, well-hosted and included. When I think about that, I think of the Lynn Furness. It was a family in George. I was working as a volunteer for a year for Scripture Union, and, and I had a whole lot of time on my hands, and they had three boys. I was 19 at the time, and then there was a 17, 15, and 13-year-old, and they were all front rows like me, right? And we used to sit down at the table, and somehow that pot of food was always big enough, and somehow there was always a, a bench or a chair that got pulled closer whenever their mom spotted me any anywhere nearby. And I would come on certain dinner nights and I hadn't been there the night before. And she said, hey, we missed you last night. A true place of hospitality where the table is big enough and the fridge rights are yours. That's a true picture of home, right? And I share this and I'm not sure what would resonate with you tonight. But when we think of this true place of home, it is a place of identity and security and belonging, and purpose, and true hospitalities. And I believe that we are all in search of home, and humanity throughout the ages has been in search of home because ultimately we are in search of these things, these important things. And this is not new at all, right? It starts right at the beginning when Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. And in that moment, we see what happens is the search for home starts, The search for home starts. The garden was this first picture of home that humanity had. And in that place, we saw all of these different elements. We see purpose and identity and security and belonging. And and we experience in the garden, in the picture of the garden, we see this beautiful hospitality. And who is the host? God himself. God himself. It's not the only time in Scripture that God positions himself as the host. We'll come back to it. But that's where it started. That's where it started. And importantly in the garden, we see for the people of God one other vital ingredient. One other vital ingredient. And do you know what that is? The presence of God with his people right there. When it speaks about God walking in the garden, it wasn't speaking about, hey, it happened once. No, it speaks of it in the tone of this is a regular occurrence in the garden that God would walk and be in communion with his people. And that garden in scripture is a picture of true home. But we know the story, right? It doesn't end there. It doesn't stay like that. Mankind sins, chooses their own way, falls, uh, chooses their own way, and then is, is banished from the garden. And the, the, the concept of exile is introduced to the scriptures for the first time. See, mankind finds themselves in exile, and and when you're in exile, all these key elements of home that we've been speaking about are distorted in some kind of way. See, in exile, your identity becomes in question. Your security is jeopardized. You don't feel like you belong when you're in exile. Your purpose gets usurped by focusing on returning or surviving, and you feel unwelcome constantly. That's what exile is like. And all of these key elements of home are distorted and disrupted. 
And here's what the Bible has to say about exile. The Bible says that the human condition is one of being in exile. Being in exile. See, the heart, the human heart is looking and longing for home because we have a God-shaped hole and we have a desire for these key matters of identity and security and belonging and purpose to be answered in our lives. And so we find ourselves in this state of disruption and exile waiting to find a place called home. And as we scan across the kind of whole Old Testament from there on out, we see this desire of belonging. We see this desire from the people of God to find this true home. And guess what? It never leaves the the people of God. And guess what? God's desire to be with his people, that never diminishes either. In fact, over 40 times in the Old Testament, God says these words, and you will be my, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's what God declares. He desires to be with us and be with his people. And after the garden, we see Abraham. And Abraham leaves his his country and his people to go in search of a, a land or a home that God is going to show him. But it doesn't stop with Abraham. We can then kind of follow the story from Exodus to Deuteronomy. We see the movement of God's people out of exile in Egypt in search of the promised land, the place that God says will be their home and where he will be able to be their God and they can be his people. Even while they're wondering, God's grace comes to them as he chooses to place his presence amongst them through the tabernacle. And then as they come into the promised land, he establishes his presence even more through the establishment of the temple and his presence with his people. Just the kindness of God breaking into our worlds. But unfortunately, the cycle repeats itself over and over again. The people find themselves being disobedient. They don't listen to God. They don't press into God. And because of that, they find themselves falling away from God and being taken out of their promised homes and into exile again and again. And we see this in Babylon. And we see in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, we see the people in Babylon in exile longing to be back home and longing for God's presence to be established amongst them again. And so it goes on, the cycle repeats itself. Now, I want to ask you pastorally here quickly. I wonder if you see any of this cycle at work in your own life. See, the beauty about the gospel is that God secures us, right? That's his work in our lives. But guess what? We are still a wandering people, right? And I remember when I first became a Christian, I was most probably the age of many of you in the room, and I found myself kind of going, yes, I, I, I'm settled on issues of identity and security and purpose and belonging. And Wow, it's beautiful. Yes. But guess what I realized? I realized that I'm not good at waiting. I'm not good at waiting See, and I would continually find myself compromising because I'm like, oh, surely this is what you've got for me, God. And I would go and take hold of lesser things rather than waiting on him. I kept believing that these other more immediate things were things that would somehow satisfy my soul and I would compromise my true identity and purpose for a quick fix of pleasure or provision or purpose or some kind of seeming promotion. 
I would find myself doing that over and over, but always I eventually found myself coming to a place of feeling somewhat exiled from God, from his people, from his purpose in my life. And the securities I felt in him and I longed, like the word said to us earlier, to be that son that would return to the place of the father's house. Can I encourage you, the only thing that breaks that cycle is when you do true business with God in your life. When you come to fully understand, own, and stand upon the great theologies of sovereignty and grace. When you understand the depth of his work and the finishedness of that work in you. And when you choose day in and day out to remain connected and lean upon his empowering, sustaining grace, even when you don't have what it takes, don't drink from the unsanctified well. You continue to drink at this, the great well of the grace of the living God. Let's not be like the people of the Old Testament Let's not allow that cycle of, of searching for home, finding home, experiencing God's presence, and then choosing our own way, and then, in a sense, going back into exile. But as we continue the story of scriptures, as we scan through, who comes next? Jesus arrives, right? And he breaks into human history to bring ultimate restoration to each of these important five things. And he brings ultimate restoration to the human condition. And what is he called? Emmanuel, God with us. The scriptures say Jesus comes and he tabernacles with us. We find him making his place here with us. He goes beyond the Old Testament tabernacle. He goes beyond the temple. He goes beyond the privileges and comfort of heaven. And he breaks into our humanity, breaks into our world to come and make his tabernacle here with us. And in his life and ministry, he speaks powerfully truth and the answers to each of these big things that we are searching for. See, Jesus speaks to matters of identity. And he clarifies that we, when we respond to him and reach out to him as Savior and Lord, that we become his people. And that we find ourselves as elect and chosen sons and daughters of the living God. He brings fullness to matters of security, right? When he says that he will never leave us or forsake us. And that he is able to make all grace abound to us. When he promises us that there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can see us slipping out of the firm grip. Of his goodness in our lives. His grip on us. And he holds us firmly with that grip. Jesus speaks to true belonging. And he clarifies that when we have been brought in. We have been welcomed in. We've been made a people. We have been adopted. We have been grafted in. We are part of his family. He speaks to purpose and he clarifies that. He points out for us two major elements of purpose. The great commandment. What is that? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And also your neighbor with your, as, uh, yourself. And then he speaks about the great commission. So great commandment, great commission. What's the great commission? Going to all the world, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to do everything that I've taught you. And guess what he says? What's his promise? 
I'm going to be with you. He always promises his presence with us. So when it comes to matters of purpose, Jesus is crystal clear. Great commandment, great commission. More than a thousand lifetimes can be fulfilled just within those two statements, right? And when it comes to hospitality, well, Jesus once again does what God has done throughout the ages. And he puts the servant towel on and he positions himself again as the great host of the banquet. And he welcomes whosoever will come to come and dine with him. And he says, ask and it'll be given. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. And Jesus tells these amazing stories of banquets where the kind of host throws a whole party. And then people choose not to come to the banquet. And then they're pulling people off the streets. And God's saying that's who he is. He is the great host and he extends his hospitality and welcome to the world's. Jesus once and for all speaks truth to each one of these things. And he clarifies these important matters for us. But does he stick around? Man, we wish he did. But he doesn't, right? He doesn't stick around. He says, guess what, guys? I'm going back to the Father. And what am I going to do? I'm going to create a home for you. John 14, 2 says, my father's house has many rooms. Jesus is speaking. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. So God's doing it. He is preparing. Jesus is preparing a place for us. But before he goes to prepare a place, he does two things. And he institutes two massive elements of why we find ourselves in the room here today. Firstly, he establishes the church, the gathering of his people. And then secondly, most importantly, as he establishes the church, what does he do? He says, guess what? And I'm going to once again dwell amongst my gathered people. And he gives the spirits. Do you see the pattern here? Every time God creates this place called home, he comes in to dwell in it as the living God amongst us. And that's where we find ourselves coming to the text that Mataba read to us earlier in Ephesians chapter 2. And let's jump into it. See, the apostle Paul is making this point that we've just made out of kind of the historical texts here. And he's wanting to pick up and he's wanting to expand and to make clear to the church in Ephesus exactly how God sees them as a home, a dwelling, a household for the presence of God as the people of God. And Paul makes it crystal clear. Maybe it's important to say this first. The church in Ephesus was almost completely made up of Gentile people. In other words, non-Jewish people. Now, these people hadn't grown up in the Jewish heritage, so they didn't have kind of the Torah and the Old Testament. They didn't understand the dynamics of all the Jewish things. And so maybe Paul is writing this letter to them because one, either they haven't fully understood, or maybe they, 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 they didn't get it, or maybe they've forgotten some of the things that he would have initially said to them about how God sees them as the church. And the good news for us is that we too need to recognize that when Paul's speaking to us, Christ, the head of the church, is speaking into us right here tonight. And so Paul writes to them and he seeks to clarify. And I hope that as we read these texts, God would also clarify this for us tonight. This is who we are called to be, church. Ephesians 2 verse 17. He, Jesus, he, Jesus, came and he preached peace to you. 
who were far away, and peace to those who were near. He came to preach peace to you. Do you see his good and his better word over your life is not are you a Gentile or are you a Jew? Are you close by in proximity or were you far away? No, his better word to your life is peace. Jesus speaks that word into all of our hearts. And as we hear that word today in our world that seeks to segregate and belittle value based on gender and race and claim and language and suburb and the kind of school that you went to or whatever it is, can we allow God's greater words to us to be heard? Peace to you. None of this unhelpful distinguishing. Peace is what Jesus speaks into our lives. It's a securing words to us. Verse 18, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Paul's saying we've been welcomed in by God, the great eternal host. We have been granted this access. Verse 19, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his households. That's who we are. You see, our identity is secure because we are citizens in his kingdom, sons and daughters of the king and our belonging is real. We are no longer strangers, but we're now members of the households. That's what he's saying of us, church. We're members of this household. I just this last week got to see a beautiful picture of, of this dynamic of receiving a form of citizenship. I'm not sure if you guys know Andre and Sabrina, the Congolese Zambian couple who lead our Weinberg congregation in Weinberg. They uh, this week went to Pretoria and they went and got their South African ID documents. And what was so amazing is seeing them just after they had received those, it had been 17 years of living here in Cape Town and filling out paperwork and eventually they got this paperwork that said they have permission to remain. They are now given permanent residence here. And as I chatted with Andre, you could see how excited and stoked they were. There was, a, there was a sense of them going, yes, we now officially belong. There's security in this documentation. There's security in what it says about our permission to be here. And how much more so for us, church, when our eternal citizenship shows that we have eternal security. How much joy we can get from knowing that we belong and that we, we can be here. We, we belong amongst the people of God. Tonight, just I feel maybe God would want to affirm and encourage some people. You're sitting here and you're going, I'm not sure if I belong. If, if these people just knew what I've been up to. And what is God's word to you? Peace to you. Peace to you even if you have felt far off. No, God's saying, come in, throw yourself upon his mercy, receive again his grace. He died. Substitutionary atonement, that means he gets all the bad stuff, we get all the good stuff. Hallelujah, Jesus. We, we see him giving that to us, and now we take our stand in that. We are citizens with God's people, and we are members of this household. Paul continues, verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself 
as the chief cornerstone. And, and commentators will tell us that the foundation of the apostles there actually is referring to, or we can refer to it as the teaching of the apostles in the scriptures. See, we, we find ourselves built on this foundation of this teaching of the gospel as the apostles have passed it on to us. And guess what? Christ is the cornerstone. We get grafted in. We can be fully secure. We have a good foundation. Christ himself is our anchor. Verse 21, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling. And there it is again, a house in which God lives by his spirit. Not just great commandment, not just great commission. God actually here makes known to us there's another element of purpose for us. To be grafted in and being built together into a dwelling place of God. That's part of our purpose. And so we need to give ourselves to this. This is where the Spirit comes to dwell. We're being made into this true, albeit temporary, true expression of home where God, the living God, is amongst us. I recognize we've skimmed over the Old Testament scriptures. We've skimmed over the depth of what these verses mean to our lives. There's so much more here. But I hope that you can see in this God's view of us, the church, that we are called to be home. See, Paul, in these few verses, he likens the church to three elements of being home. Firstly, he says, as to our state of residence, citizens. As to our state of family, members of the households. As to our state of connection, joined together, being built together, being grafted together with Christ into this dwelling place, this households. This is what God's called us to be. So I want to land with this. How do we best, how do we best embrace being the home that God has called us to be? And how do we best place, how do, how do we best be a place of identity and security and belonging and purpose and, and hospitality for others? And I'm going to give you my answers, but I would be delighted if you would take those two questions. How do we best be the home God wants us to be? And how do we live out these matters and encourage them? These five key things. Why don't you take that to your life group this week? Why don't you take that into some of your discussions in your digs or wherever you're chatting about these things and go and grapple with this a little bit more. What does it mean to be the home that God has called us to be? And like I said, and Ian said, we're going to be unpacking this over the next three weeks too. But, but here's what I think. Firstly, four things. Firstly, for those who are looking into the Christian faith, the first step is always believe. For all of us, the first step is always believe. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock, and, and then we'll experience him answering, and we'll, we'll, we'll find, and we'll be welcomed in. And that's, that's got to be the first step. We've got to find ourselves in this place of recognizing our sin and our shortcomings and saying, I need a Savior. I cannot do this on my own. My morality, my kind of good deeds, they're not going to crack it. I am dead, and I need to be brought into life. And Jesus did that. And Jesus runs to our rescue just as the father in the prodigal story did. This is what he has for us. 
And then we've got to allow him to be the one who settles these key matters of identity and security, eternal security in our lives. And common ground, can I just say this to you as a church? We must never, ever stop preaching this good news, a gospel of Jesus Christ. We can never find ourselves being comfortable or feeling like, hey, there's enough of us now. Let's just tend to our needs. No, God has called us to be that very place of hospitality where we preach this message and we say, it is for whosoever would come. And God's got his, his towel over it. He's saying, come to the banquet and we the church must be those who say to the city, come to the banquet. This is where the feast of true life is at. We can never give up on this message. We should always be able to say to all people, come, welcome home. And that leads to the second way that we can be the home that God calls us to be, and that is stay. Now, I recognize for some of you, you're going to be sent on ComServe, and you've got to go and establish your career and all those kinds of things. But here's what I've realized. We have a very transient kind of community in general. Never in the history of the world have people been inclined to change their relationship groups and their geography and their community and their memberships and their jobs and their holiday destinations more than at this time in history. And I believe that God says if we want to experience true belonging, we need to put some roots down. And if God does take you to somewhere else, put some roots down. We don't do spiritual community by kind of shopping and hopping, right? We put our roots down. Maybe it can be something that you choose to do freshly today. Choose to make this your home and then get on with making it home. Which is the third way that we can be the home that God calls us to be. And that's by moving in. Move in. We must constantly move in and make home where we are as the people of God. I've loved seeing in the context of this community, even though we're a slightly bigger church, if people want to be known in this community and get involved in this community, there are so many opportunities. And sometimes people kind of sit on the back foot. I've seen the other expression of that, which is kind of sit on the edges, kind of check things out a little bit, don't really get involved, and then maybe say, I'm waiting for others to be uh, warm and hospitable to me. But every single week, you're missing out on opportunities to say yes to volunteering and joining a life group and all the invitations that we as a family are extending to you. And so we want to say, come on, get involved, make home, move in with us here. What does that look like for you? And then the fourth point and the last one is this. Let's not be visitors, right? Let's not just pop in from time to time. Let's genuinely make home. Ask this question, how can I give myself to participating with Christ, the head of the church, in seeing these five important matters of home strengthened in my life and in the lives of those around me. Identity. Maybe you can help with that one. Helping people to know who they are in Christ. Maybe it's security. Helping people to feel safe and settled in Him and in His Word. Maybe it's in the area of belonging. Allowing others and helping others to feel like they have a place and a people. Maybe it's in this area of purpose, people knowing what God has called them to, identifying that, finding it out, understanding great commissioning, great commandment, and understanding the matters of what God's causing us to be and making us into, seeing people sent out and equipped to, to engage the world that God sends them into. 
And lastly, hospitality. Maybe you can participate in helping people from the outside feel warmly welcomed in and bring your friends. I don't know how old you are here tonight, but this year I've realized that I have now been in this church longer than I've not been in this church in my life. I'm 41 this year, and I've been here. This is my 21st year. It's a little bit of a milestone when it comes to recognizing home. Home and the power of home in your life. See, over the last 20 years, my identity in Christ has been shaped and formed by the theology of this home. My security in Christ and my awareness of his grip on my life has been strengthened in prayer and by people coming around me and fighting for me in moments of doubt and compromise in my life. And I've had the pleasure of belonging in a community of mothers and fathers who have opened their lives to me, their dining room tables, and their wisdom to me. They have rebuked me plenty. They've cheered me on. They have taught me. And in more recent years, they've even been humble enough to follow me. I have played, I have fought, I have discussed, I've beaten Ian up, I've debated, I've adventured, I've laughed, I've cried, I've celebrated, and I have mourned with brothers and sisters who have genuinely become as close as family. When it comes to purpose, I have received my calling, lived my calling, wrestled my calling, neglected my calling, returned to my calling, all in the safety of this home. And all along, I've seen the hospitality and the heart for this city that God has lived out through this community. And we have seen hundreds and now thousands of people across our congregations finding a place of identity and security and belonging and purpose and warm welcome. I believe, Common Ground Church, Rondebosch, that God has called us to be home. And that is what we are. And that is what we will be for generations to come. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you the Thank you that these beautiful dynamics that we're speaking about, all of these matters of identity and purpose, this, this belonging, this security, all of these things find their origins in you, Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father, the beautiful triune Godhead. All of these things find their origins in the community that you experience. And it's out of your great generosity that you long to welcome us in. And God, I would pray that today for men and women in the room here tonight, we would experience something of your welcoming us in. God, you're not saying you want us to be something that you don't believe is best for us. You are welcoming us into what you believe is best for us. And God, yes, the church, the local church is flawed because it's made up of broken people. But Father, it is also beautiful and glorious when it operates as you would have it operates. And it can be such a strength in our lives and it can be such a force for good into our worlds. And we pray, God, that you would make us into this home, that you would give us eyes to see how you see us and that you would give us a heart to step into more of what you have for us, to go deeper with you, Christ, the head of the church. For those on the outside, God, may they hear you welcoming them in, saying, come, 
Find your place of peace and rest in me. I've given my life for you. Come, find a place of belonging amongst the people. We pray that you, Spirit of the living God, that dwells within us, that moves amongst us, won't you come and do your empowering work in our lives? Won't you lead and counsel and guide us and uh, confront and and comfort and, and, and counsel us into the fullness of the truth that you have for us? We pray these things all in your beautiful name, Jesus. And we thank you that you are the head of the church and you are leading us on. Amen.